0: Welcome everybody to another episode, to another video. If you're watching this on YouTube, thank you. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all the other podcasting platforms, I appreciate it. As always, I'm Daniel, the psych student, bringing you his two cents, paying all that tuition money, attending the lectures so you don't have to. Look, today we're going to talk about something that is near and dear to my heart, and that is teaching. What is teaching? The importance of teaching, and and really this kind of fascinating perspective that I've looked at it, Look, I'm sure you've met people in your life who are extremely skilled at something or extremely knowledgeable at something. And I'm sure you've also learned that just because you're good at something does not mean that you're good at explaining it. Does not mean that you're good at teaching it. You might be a world-class mathematician. But if someone asks you, hey, how do you do this? How can you break down this problem? They are unable to break it down in a concise and clear manner so that someone who maybe has very low or limited knowledge in mathematics could understand and apply it for themselves. So I was thinking about what and how important it is to be a teacher. Now, when I say teaching, be careful. It's not like this is a video for people who are going to teach in like an elementary school or high school or be a coach. Not at all. See, we teach people all the time. There's a, like like the name Daniel teaches is misleading because you think, oh, what an arrogant guy who thinks he has all the answers. It's like, no, 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 my friend. Everyone teaches people things all the time. When your friend comes over and you've got this new appliance in your kitchen, you just bought this new espresso machine, and you teach him how to use it, that's teaching, isn't it? Right? When you've got a son or a daughter or a niece or a nephew and you're teaching them how to kick a soccer ball, you don't have to be arrogant or or egotistical to teach someone anything. The amount of times I've gone out with friends for coffee and they've taught me things invaluable things in relation to philosophy, psychology, different experiences that they've shared with me. That's teaching. So we understand that teaching comes in different forms and shapes and sizes. You don't have to have a PhD. You don't have to be some sort of guru. You could almost teach anything. And I've kind of boiled down the ingredients of a good teacher to three things. Number one is competence. Competence, what I mean by that is you have to be knowledgeable. So before you teach, you have to have something to teach, right? Something to talk about. Otherwise, then what is there to share? So you have to have something. Secondly is, you have to be able to explain it. So you can have the knowledge. That's one thing. It's actually extremely complex to understand, how can I take this knowledge that I have in my head and share it with someone? Whoever is listening to this, you have something to teach. And I mean everyone listening to this. Maybe you've played soccer when you were younger. Maybe you've went on a certain diet. Maybe you... A drive manual, when you know a bunch of your friends just drive their cars automatic. Maybe you swim. Maybe you do martial arts. Maybe you've been in a managerial role for some point. Maybe you've had a bad supervisor. And from your experiences, you have learned things that you could teach other people and go, hey, look, if you're in this situation, here's something that you could do. Step A, step B, step C, and that's how we can put it together. And it can help you out and get to your desired result. So number one is have the knowledge. Number two is be able to break down that knowledge in a way that people can follow you. So how can you make it concise? How can you make it clear? One of the most common ones, if you want to look at uh, conditioning, if you want to Google classical conditioning, Pavlov and dogs in psychology, this is called behavior psychology. It was this idea of how to, there's a gentleman by the name of B.F. Skinner. He taught uh, pigeons to play ping pong. Um, he taught dogs that their food was going to be ready for example if you just buy a new dog right you have a puppy and you open up the drawer of treats and you give your dog treats guess what's going to happen over a period of time the dog is going to associate the opening of the drawer with him getting a treat so the very first day you open up the drawer and as you take out the treat from the drawer and you bring it to him he starts salivating and he starts getting hungry and his eyes get really big right That's what happens. After five, 10, 15, 20 times, now as soon as you reach and you open up the drawer, he hears that sound, now he starts salivating instead. Because what you've done is you've associated the opening with the drawer of his brain knows that the treat is coming. So he's gonna start salivating sooner. Anyways, this is one trick to help people learn. Another thing in teaching, they also called uh, chaining. You're chaining moves together. So chaining moves would be, look, if you're a boxer, you come in first to teach you the jab. Just the jab, nothing else, just the jab. They say, okay, now we're gonna teach you the cross. The jab and the cross, or you can call it the straight. Okay, now we're gonna teach you the jab followed by the cross, the jab followed by the cross. Now we are going to teach you another move. So it's taking step one and then adding one thing to it and then adding one thing to it and then adding one thing to it, okay? So, you have the knowledge, you know how to teach, you're good at explaining concepts. Finally is, I'm trying to find a better word here, but I've settled on kind. And here's why kind is important. You can be extremely knowledgeable. You can be very good at breaking down a concept. But if you're someone, and, and I don't know if you've experienced this, I hope you haven't, but you'll find some people who have knowledge, who can teach really well, but they're just not kind people. And what happens is if you don't understand, they belittle you. They shame you, um, they kind of huff and puff and they might say things like, this is easy, or you should know this, or I can't believe no one's taught you this. So there's an era of of kindness that I believe is actually crucial. And for people listening to this, going, is it that important? It absolutely is. Because I don't care how knowledgeable you are and how good you are at explaining, if you are not approachable, you're going to turn a lot of people off. And that doesn't mean don't hurt people's feelings, be super, super nice, overly polite, not at all. But this just means when someone makes a mistake, you are patient. When someone makes a mistake, you do not belittle them. You do not shame them. You give them opportunities to improve. You give them encouragers. So you you motivate people and you're good at giving people hope and not beating them into the ground when they mess up. So I believe you can't have just two out of three and be amazing, I believe you have to have three out of three. Because like I said, if you have amazing, if you have the knowledge, and if you're very good at teaching, but if you're not kind, you're gonna be the guy who's really good, but no one actually wants to work with. Like they respect you that you're good, but they're like, yeah, I would never wanna be in a team with that guy. If you have all the knowledge, you're super kind, but you can't teach, that's also another problem. I also know an individual who's very knowledgeable, very kind, but he just can't explain it. When you ask him, hey, how did you do X? He'll just say, well, well, I just did it? I don't know. I just, I don't really think about it. Now, for him, that's fine. But when you're trying to explain it to someone who's never done it before, that explanation is insufficient. And lastly, you can be extremely kind. You can be very good at teaching. But if you don't have the knowledge, you know, what are you, you going to break down? What, what are you going to talk about? What are you going to discuss? If you have nothing to talk about, if you have no information to delve into. So I believe those three things are absolutely crucial. And not only that, but I think there's something about teaching that has hidden benefits that I think are extremely underrated. The first one is, look, folks, I think it's an artwork to take the thoughts that you have in your head and to say them out loud. Now, many of you listening are going to say, well, Daniel, that's just talking. It's like, be careful. Talking is a very, very complex thing. Now we do a lot of things unconsciously. The movement of the mouth, the positioning of the jaw, the way your tongue moves from side to side so when you close your mouth, it doesn't get caught in between your teeth. Then you start getting into a lot of cool things like tonality, tone of voice. You get things like inflections. Like um, I made a video way back when, you know, if, if someone says, you know, what's two plus two? There's two ways you can answer. You could say four or you could say four. What's the difference? In the first one, I'm asking a question. I'm like, four, I think? That's that's what my tone is saying. It's going, maybe? But in the second one, I'm saying four. It's definitive. My tone is saying, this is the answer. It shows more confidence, shows more security. Regardless, teaching does a lot of things for the person who's doing the teaching. One, it consolidates the information that you already know. It's said everywhere, whether you're talking about studies, martial arts, sports. If you want to figure out if you know something, Explain it to someone. If you can explain to someone in detail, you know it. If you're explaining them and you're gonna go from A to B to C and then you freeze, that tells you, oh, I don't know this very well. Because if I did, I should be able to explain every nook and cranny of it. And if I can't, okay, this is something that I have to review. Furthermore, what I really think teaching is, is I think it's problem solving. I really do. You're listening to someone who's been working as a swimming instructor for a couple of years now, and what you discover is that there's different ways to teach, there's different methods that different instructors have, you use positive reinforcements to your benefits, you can even use negative reinforcements, and when you have the kids, sometimes different kids gravitate to different learning styles. Maybe you say something and three out of four kids pick it up instantly and one of them doesn't. Right why not? why don't they pick it up, so then you problem solve and you problem solve and you it's it's kind of like being really, really creative and like you're working around this puzzle, like how can I teach this thing this this idea, this concept in a way which they will understand it doesn't matter that I understand it doesn 't matter that it's clear to the other kids. How can I make it clear to this kid? What analogy could I use? What phrase could I use? How can I visually do it? how can i can I use my hands? Can I manipulate the motion? Now, teaching, like I said earlier, we do in all of our aspects and everything. That's why I think it is crucial to work on our teaching skills. Because inevitably, you will learn something that is worth teaching. A hundred percent. Like, it's inevitable. And I just thought, if you have the knowledge and if you have the skills, but you don't have the capacity, you don't have the, the proficiency and the eloquent language, to express that knowledge that's like having a that's like having a mansion but you're missing the key like like the, the house is there but you can't access it it's like oh man that that's so unfortunate because if you don't know well, then you don't know But if you do know, but you don't know how to get it out, that's the worst, right? That's why it feels so hard when we see those classic teenager movies, the guy approaches the girl who he's interested in, and he knows that he has feelings for her, but he can't put it into words. And he stutters, and maybe his palms get sweaty, and maybe he doesn't say anything, and then she walks away. And it hurts that much more. Why? Why does it hurt? It's not because, oh, he didn't say anything to her. It's like, that's a simplistic answer. The real reason it hurts is because we know that he likes her. Right? We know that there are feelings there, but he can't convey them. He can't take what is internal and externalize them. And that's when it becomes, ouch, you know? Oh, man, I, I wish you could have said that out loud. Right? But, but he doesn't, or they don't, and you feel that, and you go, man, like that's wasted potential. So with teaching, we see the exact same thing. Let's, let's do another example. You're with your partner, and they're teaching you something, or you want to teach them something. The same principles apply, folks. You've got to have the knowledge, Let's say you read a book by, oh man, I forgot the gentleman's name. But if you YouTube, The Four Horsemen of a Relationship, or the, was it Gottman? I believe it is Gottman. Uh, YouTube Gottman, uh, The Four Horsemen or Horsewomen of a Relationship. Brilliant uh, brilliant researcher who looked at couples and how they end up divorcing, how the couples that stay married, how do they differ from couples that divorce, what do they do in conflicts. <clears throat> really quite exceptional and the reason why i bring this up is when we teach there's so many different avenues i don't want you to think oh it's just a coach and the kid it's not just a teacher and a student prof and a university student not at all we teach our siblings we could teach our parents we teach our nephews we teach our sons our daughters our friends so oftentimes let's say you read a book about relationships and now you want to teach that to your significant other or to your partner you've got several ways of doing this one you could give them the thing that helped you learn. So if it was a YouTube video, or if it was uh, something in in that regard, uh, you could always just take that idea and then you could just send it to them. And then the idea here is, if you had the, if you had the medium. So let's say the YouTube video worked for you, or let's say if the book worked for you. If you can give them the book, they can read it. It'll work for them as well. So boom, you're good. It worked for you. It worked for them. Why not? Now, you might be in a position where you go, look, this was a 20-minute YouTube video or this was like an extremely long book to read. Instead of me just giving it to you, let me read it. I'll summarize it and then I'll give you the cliff notes. I'll give you the summarized version, what you need to know so I can even save you time. If you go for the second method, this is the part where the teaching aspect comes in. Can you break it down in a concise manner, in a clear manner? Are you kind? Do you make fun of them? Do you give them positive reinforcement? Do you encourage them? And we see this in many different roles. And people can teach each other all sorts of things about different concepts, whether they be abstract things or whether they be practical things. Maybe you're really good with your hands and you're like a handyman around the house. And you want to teach your wife or girlfriend or vice versa. She wants to teach her husband or boyfriend how to do these things. Being skilled is one thing. But being able to sit down and be patient and say, well, look, first I want you to do this. Then I want you to do this. Then I want you to do this. Folks, that's a skill. That's 100% a skill. And to say it's not, it's like, I don't think anyone would disagree with me. Because you've definitely, at some point or another, have had teachers or instructors or people who you could tell they were knowledgeable, but they just couldn't convey that message. And and the amount of times I've heard from my colleagues and my friends saying, look, I basically taught myself the course. They were super boring, monotone, uh, just told us to read off the textbook. And I and I see that and like, it, it's sad. It's really, really sad going back again to the analogy of owning that mansion and that house but not having the key to access it. It's like, well, where do we go from here? right? What do we do? So it's extremely important. So now you're thinking, well, Daniel, how can I become a better teacher? How can I become better at teaching? Well, your best friends YouTube or YouTube or Google you've got so many different information so many blogs uh, different mediums podcasts I'm sure there's podcasts out there that just talk about communication like 24 7 different YouTube videos how to be a better communicator and teaching and explaining things is kind of under that umbrella of communication but I believe if you stick to these things of if you know you're knowledgeable about a subject that's the first step the second step is understanding okay what is learning how does someone learn something If I'm a black belt in judo and you're a beginner, do I want to throw everything at you or will you be overwhelmed? You'll be overwhelmed. Okay, well, look, you got to learn these 10 things. How about we just focus on one thing today? Okay, we're going to focus on one thing today. What steps do I go through in my head to do this thing? I'll give you another example. I'm working as a swimming instructor and I've got these two kids, absolute sweethearts. One's five years old, one's seven years old, never done swimming lessons before. Together, we work for the first time to help them float on their back, okay? This is just a regular back float. Your neck is leaning back, chin is up, looking at the ceiling, stomach's up on the surface of the water. Starfish arms, starfish legs. So they do their back float. We get them to do it. I have my arms underneath their back. I tell them, look, buddy, first thing you're going to do is you're going to lean your neck back. You want to be relaxed. Then you're going to bring your stomach to the surface of the water. I'm going to have my hands on your back, and after a couple seconds, I'm going to let go, and you're going to float on your own. So they do. And perfect, boom, amazing. They're doing their back float. And I'm going, this is awesome. We worked together. We taught them something. I'm feeling great. They're feeling great. A couple moments um, pass. I start, you know, just looking around a little bit. And then I hear, help, help. I look over at the kids. And I go, what's wrong? They're still floating on their backs. They go, how do we get down? I I say, what? They say, how do we get down? And I, I stood there dumbfounded. I was thinking, well, I've taught, it wouldn't be an overstatement to say hundreds of kids to do a back float, but I've never taught kids how to come down from doing a back float. I've taught you how to stand in the pool and do a back float, but I've never taught someone to do a back float and then just stand in the water again. Now, from someone who's done swimming for for countless years, immediately in my head is why I just do it. Like that, But I knew I couldn't say that to a five and to a seven-year-old. And I realized I had never thought about it. I did not know how to stand. Now, when I say that, again, I do it all. You, Everyone does it. You float on your back and then you stand up. But how many people actually consciously think about it? And I was like, huh, I've got no idea what to say. So as they're floating and they're asking for help, I go, give me one second. I start floating on my back. And then I stand again. And I go, okay, I got it. I go, all right, this is what I want you to do. I want you to imagine you're doing a sit-up, okay? So you're gonna bring your chin forward and then you're gonna sink your butt down. As you're bringing your chin forward, as you're doing a a sit-up, you're going to bring your knees into your chest. So once you kind of curl up, because you're you're lying, if you will, like you're lying on the water, on the surface of the water, as you bring your chin up to do this sit-up and your knees curl in to touch your chest, you're gonna turn into a ball. When you turn into a ball, I want you to kick your feet down. So we're lying on our back super straight. We're going to do a sit-up, bring in our knees, and then you're going to kick your feet out, but you're going to kick them down, all right? Not across the surface of the water, but down, like vertically down. We did it, and boom. It's exactly, that's exactly what I've been doing all my, for all my years of teaching. But the difference is in that moment, even though I had been teaching for at least three or four years now, it had never occurred to me. And if I was to respond to just do it. Just put your feet down. For me, that makes sense because I've been doing it for this many years. For a complete beginner who maybe this is his second day ever in a swimming pool, that's just insufficient, folks. That is no different than the black belt in judo taking the white belt in, showing him a very complex move. And when the white belt says, wait, how do you do this? He says, Well, just do it. Just use your hip. Use my hip. What do you mean? Use my hip? You know, just use your hip. Use your hip, torque and throw them. Torque, torque, throw them. What do you mean throw them? Does that make sense to everybody? So when we take these these things um, that we've been doing so much that have become automatic for us, don't overlook the importance of them, and don't overlook the complexity of them. This could be such as tying a shoelace. Riding a bike, doing a proper push-up. Just get on the ground, just push yourself up. What if that's a 12-year-old kid who's never done a push-up before? But you gotta break it down. You gotta look at it through his lens, not through someone like yourself. And I promise you, my friends, if you look at it from that way, and think about all the steps, and it's hard because you've got to take the unconscious and you've got to make it conscious, and you have to break it down into a steps so that it makes sense, it's not too boring, but it's not too challenging, and it logically makes sense, it's in a chronological order where one follows the other, and then eventually you get to the desired result. Not only will it make that individual better or to make him understand something, but it will make you better because you should know how you do a certain thing. Like, you don't actually think about how you put on a jacket. If someone says, if I was to say, how do you put on a jacket? You're going to think for a second and go, huh, I've never really thought about it. Now you have a three-year-old son and you're trying to get dressed. And maybe he says, no, 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 dad, look, I want to put it on myself. What do I do? Explain it to him. How do you explain that to a three-year-old? Exactly. My friends, that is the purpose of this talk today. So I believe we're all teachers. I believe we're all simultaneous teachers and learners. So when you're out there taking all this information, be aware of how you can break this down. Take note of people who you've met in your life that have been extremely knowledgeable, good at explaining, but are not kind people. Or very kind, um, very knowledgeable, but just can't articulate their ideas in a way where other people could follow and understand them. So I hope this talk has put an extra emphasis on the importance of teaching, learning something, and the importance of being able to share it. This is going to impact every aspect of your life, whether you're a coach, whether you're a father, whether you're an older sibling, whether you're in a relationship. Teaching is inevitable. It happens in every different section of our lives. The first step is we have to become aware of it. And after that, then we can start to improve it. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. This has been another episode. Take care, folks. Bye-bye. Stay safe.